Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Jumpstart. Today might be a bit of a ramble from topic to topic, but I feel both are important. This week, I listened to a news report detailing a slower growth rate of children over the last year. You and I know all parts of a child grow more slowly when their body isn't growing, including their brain. This is concerning. One of the reasons given was the end of the COVID-19 child tax credit extension, which has and will continue to impact families across the country. Along with the past year of crazy inflation, I mean, I've seen prices double, haven't you? The demise of free lunches for all students, and at least in my state, rising rents and property taxes, less household income for everyone. And especially heavy on my heart, what about our immigrant families who must learn to navigate the new language and systems in the U.S. in order to receive food benefits to feed their families? We all have known families who are doubled up or tripled up in housing. I thought about this in a different time frame. Most of us were probably doubled or tripled up when we first began teaching. While Lady Liberty welcomes all, the streets are not paved with gold, as my German grandparents were told. They are paved with the sweat of hard work and low wages. And for families with student loans, ouch, those payments will return. What can we do in our schools to advocate for better and maybe more food for our students? I also began a new book, Never Enough, When Achievement Culture Becomes Toxic and What We Can Do About It. Very familiar territory for my students overseas, but now some American parents are creating the same pressure in their children. Aren't you concerned about your academic career? A mom says. I'm trying to tie my shoes, the six-year-old replies. Not sure where I heard this, but the pressure begins early. As always, I'm not blaming the parents or anyone else. It's a societal issue. I'll share a bit of Chinese culture first. China has somewhat limited higher learning education opportunities and a punishing expectation of achievement. They complete several pages of homework each night and on weekends and holidays for each of seven or eight subjects. Special recognition in academics at the end of primary school may earn them a spot in a highly desirable middle school. A high test score at the end of ninth grade determines where they can attend senior high school. And the final test? After a senior year of review, the Gaokao test score tells them which university they may attend. My students all want to be the number one student in their class or grade, although they will tell me this fact with great humility when and if they achieve it. My high school students in China sleep only about six hours each night. Again, sleep equals time to grow. It is common for families to move closer to the middle and senior high schools in order to give their child 10 to 15 minutes more of sleep each night. Unless they are number one, they are never enough. They feel the pressure and they feel the distancing from their parents when they do not achieve at the highest levels. While few families have more than one child, generally speaking, the high achiever is left to themselves to endure the isolation. Some of the push to achieve is logistical based on the number of opportunities but some of this is cultural expectations and national pride. In the book, Never Enough, the author describes parents in the U.S. beginning to carry on in a similar manner. Without reviewing the book in depth, I want you to have the highlights. The author writes that the push for our students to achieve occurs across community, academics, and sports. 
Many, many years ago, when I volunteered as a candy striper in the hospital at age 14, it was because I was curious about working as a nurse. It was not a box to check on my college application. While I did pretty well in high school, taking an additional off-campus course to learn more about nursing, I was not the valedictorian. And sports? Mm, Not many people count drill team as a sport, except for the before-school practice hour might be sort of related to other sports. In contrast, the author describes our students that are achieving as at risk. Students pressured to participate in community service projects. Students enrolled in advanced courses, perhaps through the community college. Students traveling miles on the weekends to play competitive sports. The term at risk took me by surprise. Seriously? What about the children living in poverty who live with fewer resources than they actually need? What about students who witness violent acts or have insecure housing? But if a child is in pain, the child is in pain. It's relative to them. Yet, some of our at-risk students are right under our nose. Emptiness, anxiety, and depression add in sadness and hopelessness. Let's not forget the impact of social media. Will I be enough? From the book, Students feel they matter only to the adults in their lives, their peers, the larger community, if they are successful. Since the 1980s, a body of research suggests that mattering to others, the feeling that we are valued and add value to others' lives, is key to positive mental health and thriving in adolescence and beyond. As an elementary teacher, I learned to notice new shoes or a fresh haircut. I learned the importance of checking in with students one-on-one in order to build relationships. The world of middle and senior high school is foreign to me, except for teacher conferences with my own son's teachers. I remember Ms. Brebach, a high school English teacher, telling me that these bigger kids, they need the same thing that my daycare kids needed. They needed attention. They needed to be noticed. They needed to know that they mattered. The terms change, but not the essence of what we all need. I love this word, matter. Am I important? Do I matter to you? Does my work matter? Will it make a difference? Is what I said interesting? Is it worth paying attention to? Words Matter is the main title of many, many books available, and I'd like to read them all. Families Matter, the makeup and the personalities in them. Meals Matter, the quality of food we are able to afford and have time to prepare and share. Schools Matter, Teachers matter. The curriculum matters. Our children need to know they matter, with or without their achievements, in order to launch them into adulthood, better able to handle life's ups and downs, or hills and valleys, as I've learned to call them. I wonder, out loud, if our children believed they mattered more than just their achievements, would fewer young people show signs of poor mental health? We know that recent world events and their effects created a mental health crisis our health providers were not prepared for. But is it those events alone? The isolation of the COVID-19 pandemic? Could it be a recognition of what is required now of our young people in order to succeed? I don't know. These are thoughts running in my mind. My point today. When I watched our valedictorian give a graduation speech so many years ago, when I've seen graduating seniors be honored with scholarships and read about a neighborhood baseball star recruited to a major team, I thought they had the world by the tail. They had the golden ticket to success. But how did they get there? What was the cost? And how are they now? 
We've all been shocked when the golden ticket led to a much different life than everyone expected. Before reading the introduction and first chapter of this book, I may easily have put a child's distress on a pain scale, like our doctors ask us to do. I might have dismissed their pain if they were only at a seven because I know other children sitting at a three or maybe less. Instead, let's notice who is in front of us and let them know they matter. Thanks for listening today. Happy Monday. Leaves are falling already where I live. Tell a friend and I'll be back next Monday.